Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Yeah, I, w- I would love to, to dive into that story. The, the, the gentleman that was here with his whole team, he had come to a meeting here and Pastor Tim spoke at a, a meeting and uh, he was at the verge of quitting. He said, I just don't think that I'm going to be able to do this. And so, man, he, afterwards he talked with Pastor Tim and two months later, the, the Lord, man, they, they raised $100,000 and they're planting a church here, here in this area. But he said, if I wouldn't have the opportunity to talk with Pastor Tim, that's what happens in a house like this. It gives birth, you know, that's life. And you guys, you excited about that? Yeah. I'm very excited about that. And, and if, and if you do more of that, this goes a lot quicker today. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, li- listen, I, I, I want to say, first of all, pastor, pastor Tim, uh, happy father's day to you and yeah. Right. And got these great sons and you know, as our, our under shepherd, he's like a spiritual father to us too. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, we're, we're very grateful and I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful. By the way, good morning, Fort Worth and good morning city life. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Man, it's good to, good to see you guys and to come up after this, uh, this song. And the worship continues. It doesn't end when the song's over, right? Worship com- continues on and no other name. The Love that, the undefeated one, right? The undefeated one. And it's an honor to, to be here in this space today and at this time because uh, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the one. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to ask you to say that a few times with me. Amanda, to kind of get us kick, kick started, you know, I'm going to rewind to 1909. The Sonora Smart Dodd sat on a church list, in church listening to a Mother's Day sermon, and she decided that she wanted a day designated for dads. William Jackson Smart, that's who she wanted it for, for her dad. Her mother died in her childbirth, and she... Her dad raised her and five other siblings, and he was a single dad. Today, interestingly enough, is the actual 100th anniversary of Father's Day in the United States. So that's, that's kind of an interesting fact. You know, and, I, and it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's great to be in summer. I'm a big fan of summer, uh, yeah, but I'm also a big fan of Christmas. I don't know about any of you guys, but I'm a big fan of Christmas. It's one of my favorite uh, Christmas memories is from West Texas. Me too. I'm also kind of from a similar area where Pastor Tim's from out there, a cold and desolate place. No, that's just, I'm just kidding, guys. I love, it's my home, my, my home area. And the Christmas play we'd have every year at Davy Crockett Elementary, that should be no surprise to you, was the Christmas play was about Jesus' birth. And a man, man, did I want all these different roles that they had. And so I wrote a few roles down. You excited about that? Yeah. Yeah, you look like you're excited. Okay. Uh, one, I wanted to be an angel, but they always uh, picked a, a girl for that part. I wanted to be Joseph, a Jesus dad. I have no blue blood, but I felt like I could probably father a king. Uh, the innkeeper, I shared a small bedroom with two brothers, a small bedroom, and I could easily say there is no room for you. Uh, the wise man, or wise men, uh, I was a wise guy. Surely I could be a wise man. Uh, the shepherds wasn't very prestigious, uh, but at least I would be on the stage. Or... I could be a, a sheep, and every year I tried out, and every year I was always chosen to be a sheep. <laughs> my my memo uh, sewed me a little sheep costume together, and uh, so I was a I was a sheep 
every time. And Meemaw, by the way, is a grandmother. That's how, how, what we call some of those people in West Texas. And uh, maybe we'll hear more about her later. But she, uh, she showed that she got me a little sheep costume, and so I was a sheep. And, you know, I was a sheep back then, and even to this day, I, I think that I still am. And today we're going to talk about a lot of things, but one of them we're going to talk about is the lost sheep. Um, here's my question for you. Has anyone here ever really lost anything and thought maybe it was going to be simple to get a look-see and maybe, you know, maybe challenged and went from like a look-see, like, this is kind of a challenge, and then you're looking for something, and then it became more like a quest, and then it amped up a little bit more and escalated to the realms of panic. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I have, uh, even this last week. Uh, have you ever lost one of the following items? This is interactive, and it goes much quicker when you get interactive on this. So have you ever lost one of these items like car, car keys or a fob? Oh, okay, very good. Uh, I did this week, and I found it just where I left it, by the way. Uh, have you ever lost a wallet or a purse? Okay, I did this week. I actually lost it in my car. I saw it on my seat at the stoplight. I lost it. I pulled into a 7-Eleven. I literally dismantled my car for 35 minutes. I thought I'd lost my mind. I didn't know what it said in, and I found it in the car panel next to me. Okay? Have you ever, like a personal digital assistant or a cell phone? Have anyone ever lost that? Okay? Uh, driving to a softball game. Where's my cell phone? Susan goes, let's call it. There's no answer because it's sitting back home. We drive 15 minutes back home to find my cell phone still in the charger. And by the way, statistically, <laughs> statistically, they say that the item that people panic the most over losing is their cell phone. They just do. It's become like another type of appendage in our culture, right? So today, we're going to talk about lost things. Uh, Man, lost things are going to be found in Luke 15. There's actually three lost things in Luke 15. Um, and as you kind of move toward that, that scripture, we're, there's the three things are a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. Uh, but, but today, we're going to walk through the one who is the lost sheep. And let me encourage you, maybe later, think about it. Just go through the rest of this chapter. They tie together so well. It's such a great, great trilogy. Okay. Ready to read, read about the lost sheep? Ready? Say go. Here we go. Uh, the parable of the lost sheep. Say bah. Mm-hmm, you're doing good. Okay. Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, which is a story. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 going to open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. It's such a great word, tax collectors and sinners. So what you have is you have these, what are really considered in this culture, guys, get, get, get your mind on this, the lowest of the low. The lowest of the low are gathering around Jesus, and he is like a magnet. There is this centrifugal force. There's something about this man, and it's just pulling people in, and it's a crowd. There's a crowd around him, and man, it's a scene is what it is. Verse 2, and the Pharisees and scribes grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, the scribes are these learned men. They 
transcribe the law, right? The scribe transcribed the law. Uh, They're very religious. They'll make up even more laws to to go on top of what God has already said. They'll have 613 of them before it's over with. And, and the Pharisees, they're, they're part of the scribes crew too. They just own some land. So they got a little bit of power and pull, but picture this, you have these notorious and especially wicked people coming in close proximity, uh, just to listen to him, just to listen to Jesus. Hope that's what we're doing right now, right? We just want to pull in. We want to hear Jesus, right? And Jesus is treating these people that are considered the bottom of the barrel. No, the bottom. He's treating them like with honor. He's like, like they're old friends. Like they're family. And the Pharisees and the scribes, I mean, they're taking all this in and they're grumbling, man. These guys are complaining. These guys are whining. And they're, they're toxic. They're toxic. You know, you, you know the kind of religious naysayers, they've got a problem for every solution? Right? Aren't you glad you're in a house that says, yes, let's, we can do this in Jesus' name? Right? Man, there really are kind of two different types of folks. You know, the people that are just life-sucking and toxic? Do you know anybody like that? Yeah. You know? And, 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 you know, and sometimes you have to put up boundaries, right? And then you've got these life-giving people who are intoxicating. By the way, that, that's where you'd hear, have my meemaw. It wasn't just coming into her little pink house in West Texas, John Cougar Mellencamp song. It wasn't like that, okay? This come out there with the porch swing out front. It wasn't just the, you know, chicken and dumplings and, 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 and really, man, German chocolate cake. There was an intoxication because when my papa died in the backyard and she'd been living there by herself for about 28 years, there was an aroma of someone who was filled with life. You ever been around people like that? You got a pastor and other leaders in this house like that, you know? Now, the grumbling by the naysayers, because there's always going to be them, the grumbling... Uh, triggers a response from Jesus to step up and step into this negative space. Now, let me tell you, within 24 hours, most everyone here is going to have an opportunity just like that. Watch it. It's going to come, and you have an opportunity to do a couple of things. Here's what a lot of people do. Nothing. Golden sobrero, okay? Here's what I'm saying do. Step in the space. Bring some life. Especially if you're hooked onto the vine, right? love, peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, long-suffering, self-control. But what does Jesus do? He brings life. He brings encouragement. He tells them a parable, which means he tells them a story. And story, history, his story is his story. History inevitably is his story, right? It says this in verse 4, what man among you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? He leaves the 99 for what? The one. Say that one more time. The one. one. The one sheep. Now, we're not going to go to Matthew 9.36, but you might want to make a note of this because it's interesting the way Jesus would look at people in crowds. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
mean he had compassion. And by the way, that word compassion, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you all that. But I do know a little bit about it. And when you look at that word there, it's not the lovey-dovey, ooey-gooey, whimsical heart thing. It's the word spikna means for him, the compassion was like a punch in the gut. When he looked at the people, it was like a punch in the gut. I mean, harassed and helpless also can be translated into being physically pinned down and molested. You know, if we saw something like that happening over here in the park, we'd have compassion. We'd probably be picking a fight. Right? So one sheep, isn't that where we get cotton from? Man, they didn't get it in the first service either. I don't know. That's supposed to be a joke. Cotton and Kate, maybe, no, that isn't where we get cotton from. Okay, uh, maybe not. I, I, don't, I, don't know a whole lot, I don't know a whole lot about sheep, okay, even though I'm from West Texas. But I, I did learn that animals have a self-preservation mechanism for their species, okay? So what's the self-defense mechanism for the common sheep? So I thought I'd write a few down. You excited about that? Oh, yeah, you look, oh, here we go. Is it their lightning quick speed? No. Their ferocious roar and sharp teeth? Camouflage. You know, white sheep on rolling green hills or brown hills in West Texas, right? Uh, Their intelligence? Their, you know, the cunning, they're so cunning. No. Sheep are considered probably the least intelligent uh, species or creatures on earth. You know, but here's what smart people say, that there's strength in numbers, right? Uh, Let's face it, the wolf pack comes. uh, They eat several sheep, they get full, and some sheep survive. Right? Or there's strength in numbers for the pack of wolves, right? So is that a single meal entree or an all-you-can-eat buffet? Uh, If you're like the second course, that's, that's not good news, right? You see, God designed sheep, all right? God designed sheep to live in a symbiotic, and which means a close, intimate relationship with another creature. That'd be a shepherd for sustenance, a shepherd for salvation. So sheep, without a shepherd, they're, they're wolf chow. Right? That's all they are. They're the next course. And so Jesus created sheep to be protected and cared for by a shepherd. And he's doing that. We need a shepherd. We need the the good shepherd. But he's doing that like we have with under shepherds in this house, like Pastor Tim. We need brothers and sisters and spiritual fathers. And we have people like Austin and Mark. And we have, just to name a few, in the house, you know, to be with the city life flock with our family and on this national holiday, right? It's, it's an interesting quote that was said years ago and for whatever reason, it made it into this today. And the quote is, who's your daddy? You know, it's kind of an odd quote, but city life gets it. And let me tell you how, how city life gets that. And it's all and anything is for God's glory. Okay. Is this back here right now, there's some great people working back here right now, yeah. serving, okay? And 
they're not, and we're not babysitting. And we're not even raising children. We're raising adults and we're raising world changers. By the way, the next Rebecca, the next Tim, all right, the next Susan is already back there, but some of them are like 18 months old and some of them are like six, okay? The next generation of kingdom, man, I'm getting excited about this, guys. The next generation of kingdom leaders, doctors, CEOs, mayors, artists, educators, scientists, entrepreneurs, engineers, pastors, and church planters locally, nationally, and internationally. Look, these spiritual sons and daughters are being incubated right now. Right now. What's just going on in here? No, no, it's going on there right now. They're being incubated right now and they'll be coming to a street near you. And they'll change the world, not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. Paul said something interesting in 1 Corinthians 4.15. You might write it down and look at it later. He said this, you have tens of thousands of guardians and instructors in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. You do not have many fathers. And there's a lot to being a father and a shepherd that is passionate about the one. If you're a son or a daughter here that is unfathered or fatherless, I would say to you, I get it. I know a lot of what that's like. Okay. And look, city life is not a perfect family. But we have a perfect heavenly father. And a shepherd who pursues you and me. Because in fact, you are the one. Jesus said this. He said, who wouldn't go after the one? One sheep for the ninety-nine. The unstoppable shepherd with this relentless, passionate pursuit for you. Coming after his lost sheep, coming after me. He leaves the 99 in open country. You know what that is, open country? Man, it's it's a desert. It's a rough place. It's like West Texas kind of is, you know what I'm saying? It's a place where a flock is potentially vulnerable, but not as vulnerable as the one is. And what's the result? He doesn't come back until he finds it. Verse verse 5. And when he has found it, say that with me. And when he has found it, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. The shepherd accomplishes his mission, but not because the sheep is a project. He does it because his, his passion and his purpose, and he doesn't come back until he finds the one and brings it where? Home. And why do you think he brings it home in this manner? You know, it's like around his, like that, okay? Well, there's many different reasons. One, the shoulders around his neck, next to his head, close to his heart. But check it out. He says he's rejoicing. It's like, whoa, singing. I mean, he is ripping it loose. And so the sheeps are like probably startled, right? I would be, but it's like, man, I'm rejoicing. It's verbal. I mean, it's, 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 it's a loud sound. And there's this pounding with every heart beat of his, the shepherd's heart. 
and every step that the shepherd makes on the road. There's this, and it says this, we're going home. Yeah. We're going home. And there's these hands, right? Like Jesus' hands, you know, you think about the nail prints. And if a wolf tries to attack this one, this sheep, he's going to regret it. He's going to regret it. Because the shepherd says, I'm here to fight for you. I got a sling. I got a rod. I got a whole toolbox full of things. I'm here to rescue you. No one, no thing's going to pull you out of my hands. You know why? You're the one. We're going home. Verse 6. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. The destination is clear. He goes, man, I'm going home. My sheep's home. He calls his family and friends and community together, and he says, rejoice, celebrate. Come on, let's party. If you think about the baptisms you've seen here, we come up here, we get around this baptistry. Sometimes they're in pools in different places, but when they're in the house, we go over there and look. We're all around there, and the 99 comes together because you know what? We're celebrating because of the one went in, comes out, changed, new, and it says the 99 are going to party like it's what? 1999. Okay, you knew that was coming. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, it says, you know, I found the one. I found the sheep. Verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over the sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. More joy in heaven. The one is found. Repent. I'm going to just turn from myself, my sin, for everything. I'm just going to turn it all toward the Lord. Hmm. Ones are all around us, you know. He, he left the 99. The shepherd left the 99. He doesn't love them less, but he left the 99 for the one. Sometimes you have to break the huddle. You know, when we do our closing and the blessing is spoken over us, my wife and I, and I know many others, we lift our hands, receive the blessing. Because what I like to believe is we receive that blessing. We receive the word. God's been enthroned upon the praises of his people. And then when that blessing comes and we scatter, we break the huddle. I'd like to think that the enemy is going, oh no, here they come. You also may be here today and you may think you're God's gift to the world. And you would be right. And if you don't think you are, let me tell you, no matter what, could be a dad, could be no matter what anyone has ever said about you, your heavenly father says you are a gift to the world. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. No one has a fingerprint like you. We could all lift our hands right there. There's not one that's ever been put on this plant that ever had a fingerprint like you because it was done by the grandmaster designer. No one has a soul print like you. There's no one like you. You're not a mistake. You're, you're the one that captivated his heart. 
and, and he is purposing you and calling you because he's got plans and adventures to do exceedingly abundantly above. And some people are getting called today to a whole new day of it. It's a new time. The shepherd, our heavenly father, you know the one. He's the one that never left us. He never walked out. He never said we were a mistake. He didn't say that. The dad, that dad said, you are my passion. You're my pursuit and the one I'm, I've come for. And I'm not leaving here without you. You're the one. I gave my very best, Jesus. The Lord gave me a, a small but meaningful snapshot some years ago for the passion and urgency he has for the one lost sheep. This is kind of how we close. I want to tell you a story. It was an experience at Six Flags, and it's a summer like this, right? And, man, Six Flags can be a pretty happening place, right? And so there's a mom, a dad, three sisters, and one son. And the son comes in and immediately notices the Batman hats at the stores that if you're rich, you can afford one. And the dad says, no, no, we're not, no, we're not going to do the Batman hat. But, you know, if you ask and seek and knock, things happen. And all day long and before the show, you know, and before the show, dad goes caves, totally caves in, goes, get Joe the hat. So they go to the show at the Batman Theater. I don't know if you've ever been there, but you may know where it's at, Six Flags. And so I go, there's a great show. And when it was over, the family was regrouping by the big orange tower. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's a big orange tower. A lot of people like to regroup there. And there's this massive humanity, and they had the family huddle, and they begin this accounting of their children. And so they started doing the head count, and the dad begins, and he goes, one, two, three. One, two, three. Where's Joe? And they begin looking around, kind of calling, you know. Hey, Joe, 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 Joe. And then it became a yell. Joe? Joe? We ain't kidding. And then it's still no. And then it became a scream. Joseph! Watch a guy scale this retainer wall. It's got to be 8 to 10 feet tall, right? And he's up on top of it. And here's this dad yelling at the top of his lungs and scanning the horizon for his son. Joseph, Joseph. And then kind of in a distance, there's a, there's a huddle of people back, back toward the log ride. And, and they're kneeling down and standing in the middle of it is Joseph. You've never seen a guy come off a wall so fast in your life. He's running through the crowd, pushing people. Just the way this guy's wired. He's pushing people. And then when he gets there, you know, Joe's crying. 
Dad's crying. And the first thing Joseph said, he goes, Dad, where were you? He decided not to do correction at that moment. He celebrated. And he hugged his son and loved on him. Joseph, the son, the one was found. And I'll never forget it because it burned in my memory. It's sown to my heart. But here's what the Lord's shown me. As hard as it is to imagine, the Lord reminded me that the way he felt, that dad felt about finding his son is not nearly, not nearly as passionate as the good shepherd, our Lord, feels about us, the lost sheep. You and me, we're, we're the one going home we got work to do but we're going home as as pastor Tim comes to lead us uh, my my prayer is that uh, you and me would be as passionate about the things the good shepherd the undefeated one our Lord is passionate about And that begins with the one. You know, there's a way to look at this, which is really, really practical even right now. Um, There are a few empty seats scattered around here. Who is the one who's supposed to be sitting in that seat? Think of that. Who's the one who's supposed to be sitting in that seat? The heart of the Father is the heart that we choose to have and to live out as well. That's the heart of this church. That's the heart of this church. I know it's your heart too. God also has a heart toward anyone who is away from him. As I read earlier, God has put together this family. And if you've wandered from the family intentionally or just like wandering, sometimes it's not intentional. You just do it. I I remember as a little kid, I I remember one time I was chastised by my mother verbally (laughs) because I was out in the woods and uh, went out there to, just to go play and explore. And I was so far, so, so far from home. It took hours. I was, didn't realize it was hours, but I was gone. And my mother was in a panic because little Timmy was gone, was lost. And I came home, and I remember my, eating my lunch, and it was totally cold. And she made me eat it cold. That was my punishment. <laughs> but I also saw tears in my mom's eyes. And uh, for some of you, I don't know everyone's spiritual condition at all. There's no way for me to know. I can't see inside. You look great on the outside. But if you're far from God right now, you know that today's the day that you need to come home. My prayer is that you'll choose to do that right now. Will you just bow your heads and just close your eyes? Just, just focus internally for just a moment. And if you're far from God right now, if, you're, if you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, serve him 
even whether you've drifted from God, wandered from him, or whether you've never really found that home. You've been seeking something, but you're not quite sure what it is. Today's the day. Now's the time. God brought you here for this reason. Don't fight it. Just fall into the love of God. Because he wants to rejoice that he's found you. So if you'd like to pray a closing prayer with me, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, invite him in for your sins to be forgiven, for you to be made new on the inside, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to lift your hand so that I can see it. That way I can connect my faith with yours and we'll pray together, all right? So I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, just shoot your hand up and hold it there so I can see it. If you're wanting to make that decision to follow Jesus today, are you the one? One, two, three. Lift your hand for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys can put your hands down, several hands up. Any others? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray now. If you lifted your hand, you can understand. Everything that's gone on today has been wonderful, but it's really all more about this moment right now than anything else and than anything else. So here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for everyone in this room to stand. If you lifted your hand, I want you to stand also. But everyone in this room, stand. We're going to pray. If you lifted your hand, pray these words with me. Congregation, I want you to pray out loud as well, congregation of believers, as an encouragement to those who are praying this as well. Pray with me now. Dear Jesus, I make the choice today to lean into you and to give my life to you. Will you forgive my sins? Will you wash me clean? Make me a new creation on the inside. For today... It's time for me to live. I give my life to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You could also just come and visit one of our services because I I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.